Well, as far as I know, and as far as we know, this will be our last Wednesday study together before the new year. So I know we'll see each other before then, but anyways, um, it's always amazing to think about how many years the Lord gets us together and how many Decembers we, we end together and get ready to gear up for January. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing this study with you through the new year. I'm going to pick it up now uh, with the 10th subtlety. So remember, I think there are about 27 subtleties, and some of them, I think, as I look ahead, will move a little quicker. We'll see how far we go. But Thomas Watson's book on the Lord's Prayer, the last section of his book, studying the sixth petition, and we looked through a few of those petitions last time, and now we're studying the, the tenth subtlety. So remember, Satan is very subtle. He is so good at tricking us. Remember, he has had a lot of experience right? And he knows how to push everybody's different buttons. He knows how to observe and watch what your dangers are and how he knows what works with people similar to each of us. He is so experienced and so he's very subtle. Remember, this, the, he's crafty. He's, he's um, the serpent. He just, he's, he's wise in a wicked way. He knows, how to, he knows how to make you, he knows how to just talk you into it like it's a good idea, right? And he's an angel masquerading as light. We might get to where he does that particularly. He makes some evil things seem good. Um, He's so good at tricking us and confusing us and getting us to sin. Remember, he's the tempter. We're the ones who sin if we choose to let him tempt us into acting upon it in thought, word, or deed. But what we want to try to recognize and learn is to recognize the devices of the tempter to better understand, wait a minute, I know what you're doing, <laughs> and being able to better resist him that he would flee from us. And remembering what we studied last time, well, he might flee for a while, and then like our Lord, he'll come back, and he'll come back with a vengeance, right, to hit us when we think, oh, we thought we had that covered. So always having our shield of faith up. And that's one of the things he wants to hurt the most. We might get that to that tonight. But let me get started. No more introductions so we can see how much we can make progress with. So we're on the 10th subtlety, a 10th way that Satan is so subtle into tricking us into sin. And again, if we sin, as much as we might be tricked, it is a choice we make. As my professor, Dr. Gamble, said something along these lines, sin is something that we do, that we think say, or do. So it's our choice, but we, we can't say the devil made us do it, but we do want to recognize the devil has a lot of effort to try to get us to do it, to choose to do it. So hopefully this will help us. Uh, the tenth subtlety, he labors to ensnare us by lawful things, things that are in themselves lawful. He, he gets us to try to do them in some way that's sinful, and that's possible. So for instance, something that comes to mind On the Lord's day, the Sabbath day, there are things we are not to do that are lawful on other days, right? On other days, they're lawful, but on the Lord's day, they are not. It would be sin. So there's an an example reference um, I hadn't thought of in preparing. But he writes this, More are hurt by lawful things than unlawful, as more are killed with wine than poison. I'm not teaching not to have wine, but what he points out is it's easy Wine is easy, you know, you're more likely to be open to that, whereas poison, you're more likely to be, oh, whoa, whoa, I recognize what that is, I'm not going to drink that. So again, he knows how to make it look good. You know, we saw that uh, in the quote by William Secker in the bulletin last, week, last Lord's Day, 
something along the lines that, um, or might be coming up, which one was it? <laughs> I think it's the one we just had. I've already put the other one in the bulletin today. But sin uh, has a sweetness to it. I think that was what it was, right? It has a sweet wrapping, but in hell the bitterness will come out, right? Or, or in the end of it, the bitterness will come out. Uh, this week it's, I think, uh, uh, the end of sin is a sting. You know, it has a stinger at the end of it. So uh, Satan knows how to get us to sin with things that are actually good and lawful. And you might say, what? Well, this is where probably we need extra careful attention here because he says that's where he gets more people to sin than anything. And I think, wow, we probably don't recognize we could sin with something that's actually non-sinful, right? So uh, what I want to point out to you, um, he says using, uh, using lawful things inordinately. So wine could be one of them using it too far until one's drunk, for instance. Or food could be, food is not sinful, right? And many foods are open to us now that weren't in the Old Testament. However, we can still eat too much. We can still eat too much of the wrong things. And uh, actually, that's what Fernanda shared. The nurse that was doing the baby monitoring said that her husband, the doctors told her a big reason he had the heart attack because he ate horrible all his life. I remember, I've never been able to find this on the internet, but I remember one of my college professors saying more people died of heart attacks, same, the same young men that went to one of the world wars. Like, uh, yeah. He's only 48, yeah. Same age as me. I need to be thinking of that as a warning. Um, try to eat pretty healthy, but you know, when you're busy, it's pretty easy to eat the easy stuff, which is no good for you. Um, and not wanting to judge, but just recognize again that, you know, when we talk about uh, thou shalt not kill, it does talk about having a moderate use of things. And that's actually something I want to go to with you. It, we have to be careful about using lawful things inordinately, like too much, out of moderation. And uh, I want to ask you to turn with me to the Westminster Larger Catechism uh, to see some language that speaks of this also. Uh, turn to number 136 with me for starters. I'm going to open it up on my phone here. What did I say? 136, right? I'm finally learning how to navigate through this smartphone thing. Okay. Larger Catechism, 136. Uh, the question is, what are the sins forbidden in the Sixth Commandment? I'm just going to read through it and then point out this idea of not using a lawful thing inordinately, and then it becomes sin. Okay? The sins forbidden in the Sixth Commandment, and the Sixth, the sixth Commandment is thou shalt not kill. Right? Now, keep in mind... How Jesus expands that in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, hating someone wrongfully without cause, that, that's, that's murder. Okay? The sins forbidden in the sixth commandment are all taking away the life of ourselves or of others, except in case of public justice, lawful war, or necessary defense. The neglecting or withdrawing the lawful and necessary means of preservation of life. Now, actually, that's another way of looking at it. The neglecting of lawful means, things that we should be doing to protect ourselves, right? Taking away and being neglectful or negligent. Uh, so that's kind of related to the, it's a lawful thing that we don't make use of, you know? But that's not why I'm reading it tonight. Then it says, sinful anger, hatred, envy, desire of, of revenge, 
all excessive passions, distracting cares. And here's the part I want to highlight. Immoderate use of meat, drink, labor, and recreations. I'll come back to that. Provoking words, oppression, quarreling, striking, wounding, and whatsoever else tends to the destruction of the life of any. But here's what I want to highlight. Uh, The Sixth Commandment requires, uh, excuse me, forbids immoderate use of meat, drink, labor, and recreations. Now it's interesting, just this last Lord's Day evening in our sermon through Philippians, chapter 4, verse 5, it talked about, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Now, in that case, we looked at that word and recognized it meant forbearance. Uh, It meant um, sweet reasonableness was one of the things that people pointed out. But it had the idea of yielding, you know, yielding to another, deference. And so, again, that idea of just not too much, not demanding everything. Here, it's not quite the same idea. It just means too much and uh, an amount of something that is not moderate. Moderate means you know, a reasonable amount. It's, you know, we're not going to get legalistic with that, and that can vary for different people, but uh, d- depending on different things. Uh, but for instance, I mean, just, just for a funny illustration, if Fernanda has chamomile tea, she's out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is helpful sometimes to help her relax the day, you know. But it's like, I can drink chamomile tea till the cows come home, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd still be having chamomile tea with the cows when they came home. You know, I wouldn't go to sleep. So, <laughs> so that, uh, that's an example. Everybody has different things. We, don't, we want to be careful how we understand things. But, of course, there's a common sense to these things. But notice, immoderate use of meat, and I kind of think that's one of the acceptable sins these days. I'd like to go to the study by Jerry Bridges on what Christians tend to have as acceptable sins. I've only briefed it once. I haven't read it. Um, I don't know if he talks about that, but obviously drink, and I believe it is talking about alcohol because, you know, if you drink too much, well, you got to be careful you drink too much water or anything. I've heard some odd stories, but primarily it's the idea of alcoholic beverages that you, you don't drink to excess and get drunk. Um, uh, labor, you know, too much work could kill you, you know, if you, if you never take a break, but then too much recreation, immoderate recreation where you're not Making enough money to provide for your family. That could cause harm, possibly even death, if you're not meeting the needs of your family, right? There's plenty of people who are negligent with work and they don't have enough for themselves or others. So anyways, that idea of immoderate. So we get back to Thomas Watson. He says, more people are hurt by lawful things than unlawful. More are killed with wine than poison. He says, using lawful things inordinately. Or we could say using lawful things immoderately. I just want to recognize that our Westminster standards are wise in teaching us these things. Where did I read something today? Oh boy, I can never remember where I read something, but I was really... Oh yeah, it was in the book, uh, Here We Stand. I was finishing a little bit of a chapter. And the guy was saying at the end, the minister was saying at the end, I think it was Al Mohler actually in his chapter, he was saying, uh, among other things, our confessions are no longer... Uh, we have them as sort of historical things now we know we need to kind of pay homage to, but they're not living documents that we're studying and learning and living. We don't actually care much about them. I said, boy, I think he's right. We want to remember these standards and catechisms are meant to help us grow in the Christian life and live that Christian life. Hey, Chad, good to have you. All right. Boy, God answered my prayers really quickly. I prayed for you that you could be here more often with us with work. So, all right. I don't know if you felt the prayers driving them, but good to have you. How about we all say, hey, Chad, one, two, three. Hey, Chad. (laughs) All right. Okay, that's enough. All right, all right.
Uh, I have to qualify how many times. Let's not have an immoderate welcoming of Chetnik. <laughs> no, just kidding. But let's look now to larger catechism number 142. Just another example, number 142. And I think I have to hit ahead here. Okay, here we go. What are the sins forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? And if, what's that? 142. And uh, hold on a second. I'm going to get my phone back in the right place here. And of course, this is about thou shalt not steal. So 142, what are the sins forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? And we want to recognize some language that talks about not doing something lawfully, inordinately, or immoderately. It could, something lawful could be a sin if we are using it uh, immoderately or inordinately. So I want to see that here for us. What are the sins forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? Thou shalt not steal. The sins in the Eighth Commandment, besides the neglect of the duties required, are theft, robbery, man-stealing, and receiving anything that is stolen, fraudulent dealing, false weights and measures, removing landmarks, injustice and unfaithfulness in contracts between man and man, or in matters of trust, oppression, extortion, usury, bribery, vexatious lawsuits, unjust enclosures and depredation, engrossing commodities to enhance the price, unlawful callings, and all other unjust or sinful ways of taking or withholding from our neighbor what belongs to him, or of enriching ourselves. Covetousness, now here we go, inordinate prizing and affecting worldly goods. I'll come back to that. Distrustful and distracting cares and studies and getting, keeping and using them, envying at the prosperity of others, as likewise idleness, prodigality, wasteful gaming, and all other ways whereby we do unduly prejudice our own outward estate and defrauding ourselves of the due use and comfort of that estate which God has given us. Can we shut the doors back there, guys? It's coming through pretty loud. Can we shut the doors to the training room, please? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what I want to highlight to you, although notice, notice this uh, wasteful gaming, wasteful gaming. Someone asked me recently, hold on, buddy, wasteful gaming. Somebody asked me recently, is it okay to play the lottery? I think they kind of knew probably not, but I guess the numbers were looking pretty good. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we would discourage that. And our larger catechism speaks to that and thou shalt not steal. I remember in seminary, uh, my professor brought that up. And at the time, I really couldn't understand how it was exactly a sin. I won't get into it now. Uh, but you can go back and hear the sermons through these uh, larger catechisms. As I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you guys are amazing. You sat through four and a half years getting through the larger catechism with me. <laughs> so I thank you so much. So you can go back and hear it. I won't do it now. But notice that that is something listed in our larger catechism, wasteful gaming. Um, but what I want to get to specifically is where it says about halfway down, a little more than halfway down, inordinate. So again, he speaks of using lawful things inordinately. Now, earlier we used the word immodest, uh, excuse me, immoderately, but now we're speaking inordinately, similar idea. Isaac, don't let me forget to come back to your question, okay? So let me just highlight that again. Inordinate prizing and affecting worldly goods. And I think this relates to the 10th commandment also, right? Coveting what you shouldn't be coveting, or in this case, coveting it too much, like really wanting... Um, uh, Worldly goods, 
more than you need. You know, now, remember, in the shorter catechism, it, it teaches us that when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, we pray for a competent portion of the good things of this life and that we would enjoy God's blessing with them. So it's not that we you know, shouldn't desire things. I'm very thankful, for instance, that we have a building, and I'm very thankful that we have a heater. And I know Mr. Uh, Lemon is very glad he has a ceramic portable heater in his new living place, keeps him nice and toasty at night, because the walls are thin. Uh, you know, it's not that we shouldn't want things practically, or even just because they're enjoyable. You know, there's nothing wrong as the Lord provides and meets our needs, but we shouldn't be inordinately wanting them. You know, like, if I don't have that, I can never be happy. You know, and by the way, most of the things we want too much, we're never happy when we have them. <laughs> and they break down, they don't last, and then they just distract our time. And, but in an inordinate amount, it's not that we can't want something that's lawful. But when we want it too much, we get into lust, we get into coveting, and then we're tempted to do the wrong things to get them, right? Cut corners, make excuses, do a lot of things that this catechism warns against doing. Isaac, uh, so that I don't forget, what did you want to ask or comment on? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, actually, it's interesting you ask because I almost commented, but I held off. It talks; it's talking about taking a person and stealing them and making them your slave without their will to serve you in a contract. Yeah, slavery. Yeah, I've preached on it a lot, including in Exodus and including on the Catechism, and we can talk about it more. But yeah, I'm I'm pleased that you heard that and recognized it. Our catechism forbids slavery as we know it. It forbids stealing men against their will or stealing other people against their will and putting them into uh, labor that they have no control over their own lives for. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's good to know that that's there. I'm glad you noticed that. I'm going to try to move on, though, because I'll start preaching. So <laughs> um, Okay, so then at the end of this section, the tenth subtlety, Satan labors to ensnare us by lawful things. He says this, excess makes things lawful become sinful. Excess makes things lawful become sinful. We should keep that in mind just that we would always be generous with others, that as a church we would be generous. Uh, we're always praying the Lord opens up opportunities for our diaconate ministry. Now, it's very reasonable, and we have scriptures behind it to, you know, vet those who come asking. You know, we want to make sure we're giving it to those who really need it and going out and finding them. Um, but we pray that the Lord will help us be generous, uh, be deferring to the needs of others, and um, that we wouldn't be doing things in excess that ultimately ha could harm uh, immoderate use we saw, for instance, again, of just how we might use food and the wrong kinds of food. So um, anyhow, I think I want to move on, but I wanted to give an example that that kind of thought is in our larger catechism, and it's important. There are a lot of things that we can carelessly misuse um, or not do enough of in some cases. Like, for instance, I'm neglecting exercise right now, and I, Mommy and I are talking about we really need to get back to it. Um, we want to watch out particularly for an inordinate use, though, things that um, uh, could do harm to us or others, even though they themselves are okay. Or, as we said, um, the example is with the Lord's Day, right? There are things that are lawful on other days. Work would be the primary thing I guess we can talk about. Uh, most kinds of recreation. 
but they're not lawful, they would be sinning on the Lord's Day, as an example. That's probably an easy one to kind of point to again. Okay, so we have to think about how we handle something rightly. You know, even actually, let me think about this. Even how I was going to say how we use a sword, right? Nothing wrong with a sword, but if we're careless with it or using it wrongly or too much or not, you know, we could hurt somebody or hurt ourselves. And um, there are even, you know, the scriptures and the catechisms will talk about you know, the, the right season to correct, and then maybe other times you hold back. Love overlooks a multitude of wrongs. You know, this, there's just a lot of ways that we could do something that's technically lawful, but in a way, I think probably the other thing we need to think about is, is if we're doing it with the wrong heart. That goes back more to, I think, last week's study, with the wrong motives for the wrong ends. Okay, so I'll just summarize that again. Excess makes things a, uh, lawful become sinful. Now we're on the 11th subtlety, and we may need to end it here. We'll see. He makes the duties, Satan makes the duties of our general and particular calling hinder and jostle out one another. He makes the duties of our general and particular calling hinder and jostle out one another. What does he mean? Well, we act like one's so important, the other we have to neglect. We're not balanced. We have different duties. We have general duties, and then we have particular specific duties, and we may excuse ourselves from one, because remember, the sin of omission is something we are guilty of, not doing what we should do, for the sake of too much focus on the other, when actually you got that okay. You can calm down a little bit and focus on this. So the need to be balanced with all of our different duties. Let Let me quote them in the next section that I think helps spells it out. The devil's art is to make Christians defective in one of these two, general or specific duties. Some spend all their time in hearing, reading, and under a pretense of living by faith, do not live in a calling. Some of us just love to study all the time and go to every single conference, you know, and, but we, we don't really, we can't be bothered to go out and do anything, whether it's serve the needs of others, or get a job, <laughs> you know. We're just so spiritual, we don't have time for anything practical, okay? But then he says, others, Satan takes off from duties of religion under a pretense that they must provide for their families. You know, I'd love to read the Bible more, I'd love to have family worship, but I'm too busy with work, I can't be home enough. When I get home, all I want to do is sit down and read the newspaper or whatever. Does anybody read newspapers anymore? <laughs> you, know, um, you know, whatever it is, you know. Or, you know, I'm sorry I missed church, uh, but I had to be at a business meeting, and I got, God wants me to take care of my family. I've had people say to my face, although they, would re- although they refused in my study after they're happy to take a whole lot of my pastoral time, not even members. That's why I started to learn i got to make time balanced on how much they're with you and worship. And I was trying to... Pr- appeal to these people about the Sabbath day and, and actually just showing up for worship, let alone not working and using that as an excuse. Remember, there are necessities and mercies. We have that in our standards, but this wasn't one of them. I could not get them to read the fourth commandment out of the Bible for me. They wouldn't do it. You know why? Because they know what it says. But I got the answer, God wants me to take care of my family and provide for my family. But the truth was, as he talked about a lot, he had a plan. He wanted to be rich. He had a whole plan, and he was on his way to being rich, and he wasn't about to change that plan and pattern. As he said, he wanted to get serious with the Lord and be serious in our church anymore. And, you know, they never showed up again. That, all, I was just asking him to read the fourth commandment. I mean, it wasn't that complicated. <laughs> but So, for instance, that's the example of I can't be bothered with the, I don't want to show up for a conference. I'm never going to come to family camp. 
You know, I mean, you know, pick your thing. It doesn't mean we all have to be at all these things. But we're not interested in being at anything spiritual. We're not interested in doing anything with our families spiritual. You know, we're not interested in, in doing anything more than the minimum morning worship service, right? I remember Pastor Bell had an article called The Onesers, you know, like, don't ask me to stress myself because I'm too concerned about all these other things. Family time. Well, yeah, family time's important. But it's also important to have it with the Lord, <laughs> you know, and in the church. So this is an example of just, I'm too busy with spiritual things to be any practical good in the world. I don't work regularly. I don't have a regular job. Uh, I, or I'm just, you know, not really ever helping to serve the church serving others. I just show up for all the free conferences, you know, <laughs> or the free whatever. But I'm not ever giving back in any practical way. Or I don't show up for much of the religious stuff at all because I'm too busy working or I'm too busy with my boat, you know, I'm too busy with soccer and baseball and lacrosse for the kids and ballet and piano lessons, you know, and we just crowd out the most important thing, spiritual time with the Lord. Abraham, did you have your hand up? Yeah, you think about the movie? Yeah, we watched, I think it was called Family Camp. It was cute. A few things I probably feel the need to give a disclaimer about, but it was pretty cute overall. And yeah, this guy shows up to church late in his golf cleats, after he just got off the cell phone working a business deal, and his wife's just like, you're never with us. I don't think there was the Lord's Day concern exactly, but they go to family camp. He didn't feel he had time for it. A lot of times he was still on his cell phone behind a pine tree, and, you know, it's a long, silly story. It's, it's pretty cute overall. But, yeah, this, this idea that I can't, because he was only concerned with making, getting the perfect promotion so he'd never have to worry about money for his family or anybody again. And in the meantime, he wasn't with his family. Right, so that, that's a good example. Thank you. Okay, so he says this last thing. He makes, Satan makes them so careful for their bodies that they quite neglect their souls. So he either makes us so focusing on our souls that we neglect our bodies, right? You know, which is why I always want to work on to be a good example. When I step up in the pulpit, you know, I need to be losing weight. I need to be more concerned for my body. But on the other hand, there's the aspect that we could be so concerned for our bodies, we're going to gym all the time, this and that. We're, we're never really exercising ourselves unto godliness, right? So it's one or the other. We need to be balanced. And, you know, it's always something we're juggling. Life is complicated. We always need to be willing to take an assessment just like we do in the business world or anything else. Say, you know, I think we're going to need to stop doing this because we're never being able to do this. Whether it's we need to become more religious or we need to become more practical, you know. Maybe we don't need to go to every single thing. This is a problem sometimes with churches. There's so many programs, you never have time with your family, you know. Or, you know, with our homeschooling, there's a lot of different homeschooling things we can do. And sometimes we've said, I think we've got we to gotta narrow it down because we're always together, but we're not really together. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're always busy. And um, so it's a, it's a balancing act, but Satan will get us to be inordinate in one area to, to subtract to the detriment of the other. That's the thing we need to be warned about. Let me look ahead here. Okay, the 12th subtlety. Uh, there's not much that I have highlighted, so I'll at least do this one before we close. The 12th subtlety, uh, Satan subtly tricks us to sin with his, um, he misrepresents true holiness that he may make others out of love with it. And uh, I think what he's mainly saying there is he, he basically gets us to not live true holiness so he makes other people despise Christ in the church. You know, um, he, he, he gets us to sin in ways that makes other people sin or just not want anything to do with it. Let, let me read the quote again. It's the only part of the section I've highlighted. He misrepresents true holiness 
that he may make others out of love with it. Or a mockery, perhaps, of the holiness. You know, I mean, I felt like there's a few things in that movie, actually, like, um, you know, maybe, maybe things that, that we kind of represent as holy that, are, that we think are the main things, and I'm going to hold back on thoughts I have about it. And then people look at it and say, well, if that's what church is, what do I want with that? It doesn't really look so significant. It doesn't look like so sanctified or set apart from the world, you know. We might have certain, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking of great examples, and I, I didn't highlight much from this section. Oh, actually, oh no, I flipped the page. I, uh, yeah, that's all I have from this section. Let me repeat it, though. Satan misrepresents true holiness that he may make others out of love with it. So in some way, he gets us to be misrepresenting what true holiness is. You know, I think every church, every person, you know, movements and groups can emphasize this is what real holiness is all about, and... You know, then there's these other things that don't really matter. Uh, one example for me, there's a certain movement that thinks, you know, everything from the Old Testament punishments uh, from the judicial time apply today. Nothing changes. And what always amazes me, they're so emphatic on certain movements. I'm trying to avoid labels for now, although I read about some of it today, so it's kind of fresh front of mind. But, but then they, but I always point out to them, I haven't met one of you that actually honors the Sabbath. And there's always, well, the yeah, but, the yeah, but, but, but it's completely inconsistent, you know. Why don't you honor the Sabbath instead of worry about all this other stuff, you know. Um, maybe there can be examples where people will harp on a certain sin, but everybody knows what they're doing. And it's like, you ought to be focusing on yourself on that, which is a much more serious issue. Uh, just that's, I think, what he's getting at. And forgive me, I didn't, I didn't drill down to that as much with my, with my highlights. Um, but actually, yeah, that's it. Okay, I think uh, I think I might uh, close with this because the thirteenth subtlety is longer, and that is usually uh, I'll be tempted to keep you inordinately. <laughs> Once I get started, I want to finish the thing. So let me end uh, five minutes early. Thank you. We made it through some more. We're up to thirteenth subtlety. Uh, we're going to get to twenty seventh. <laughs> Yeah. Isaac's applauding me for having such self-discipline. Thank you, brother. I need the encouragement. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop now. Let me uh, let me close this in prayer. If it's okay, I'd love to sing another psalm with you before we go that I have in mind, but let's pray. Oh, Lord in heaven, we thank you so much for this time together. And we ask that you protect us from these dangers, these subtle dangers. Oh, Lord, help us to recognize the lawful use of things can, can be accessed in a way that becomes sinful. Help us to be careful not to use the good things of these life in a way that is inordinate and immoderate and hurts us or others. Help us to have moderation and let it be seen before all men for the Lord is at hand. Oh Lord, help us to balance also uh, the proper amount of giving ourselves to religious things uh, and practical things. For our Christianity is be lived out in this world, but living in this world has got to be seen in our Christianity and our worship and service. Lord, we pray also that you protect us from hypocrisy and protect us from uh, causing others to uh, be disinterested in mocking uh, things because we don't give the right representation of true holiness. Lord, make us holy according to your word and by your spirit, and not by our spirit, and not by things we want to emphasize that are 
not necessarily holy at all, perhaps are not holy, but we know how to wrap them in the wrong packaging. We can be caught up in movements and distractions that are not the main thing. Make us holy as you are holy. And, uh, help us to grow in sanctification, which is your will. And let it be real and clearly your spirit moving in us, bearing the fruit of the spirit. And we close praying as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.